Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.45 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 29th of September, 2021, and this is episode 485 of Bitcoin and Clown World. Dude, it's out of control. Just saw a Daily Mail headline that reads, Doctors and nurses should use their, quote, trusted positions to urge patients to fight climate change, researchers say. Two things here. Two things. One, you probably don't remember, and I certainly don't remember it because I wasn't alive at the time, but I do know that it was going on. Uh, Doctors used to be used as propagandists for the tobacco industry, and commercials were all over the place. And who was the spokesperson? A doctor in their nice white coat with their stethoscope wrapped around their shoulders. Smoking a smooth camel, man. Trust me, I'm a doctor. I prescribed these. I, you know, it was bad. I mean, it was all over the place back in the day. Doctors knew that sucking in particulate matter was not good for your lungs. It doesn't matter if it's a cigarette. It doesn't matter if it's smoke from a forest fire. It doesn't matter if you're working in a coal mine, it's particulate matter and your lungs do not mix. Please beware. These people are insane and they are stealing from a book of propaganda from the 1950s. That's how ancient the, the people that we are fighting are that ancient. I'm just shit you not. They're pulling, they're pulling their cards from a deck that was forged in the 40s and the 50s, all right? So, and the other thing here is we're using the exact same shit, the doctors. Trust the doctors. Trust your nurses. We're using them, and you can see the transition from COVID to climate change, and people were saying that this shit was going to happen for the last four months minimum that we were going to go into into climate change lockdowns. And here it is. They're starting their run. They're using doctors and nurses to now start pushing a different narrative, a climate change narrative. Ah, clown world. What are you going to do, man? Um, before we get into today's news, I would just like to uh, reiterate that I do have a Patreon for those people that are um, just not ready to use the Lightning Network, uh, not ready to do other, you know, other things. If you want to support me, you can always support me with Dirty Filthy Fiat through Patreon. Yes, I have one foot in the Bitcoin world and I have one foot in the Fiat world. And if you're not lying to yourself, most of us do. There's not very many other ways that we have or... Well, there's not very many instruments that um, that we have to get fiat wealth into the Bitcoin system, except for the human beings that are half in the Bitcoin system and half in the fiat system, and most of us are there. So, if you want to be sure that your dirty, filthy fiat will most likely be con- uh, converted into BTC, uh, you can donate if for to support the show through the Patreon. The Patreon is <clears throat> Patreon forward slash Bitcoin and uh, podcast, all one word. That's Bitcoin and podcast if you want to search for it. Otherwise, the Breeze wallet streaming me sats directly to uh, to my Lightning wallet that is basically under my custodianship via my Lightning node. Uh, That is appreciated as well. I love seeing streaming sats come in. It's like actually one of the funnest things is to crank up Thunderhub and just watch watch the uh, one sat, three sat, five sats 
per minute just kind of stream through. It's it's a it's honestly it's a thing of beauty. Now, this is five days old, and we all know, but it 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 uh, is worth reiterating. This is Jack Mallers uh, from the uh, Medium.com blog post where he's announcing the strike API. Okay, yes, I know it was five days ago. However, let's just let's just read the, the first couple of paragraphs here. Yo. Today, I am unbelievably excited to announce the Strike API and Strike's first API customer, Twitter. Today, Twitter enables free instant global payments for their users with their integration of the Strike API. Starting today, Twitter will allow all iOS users around the globe to send tips over the Lightning Network. Okay, well, that's not exactly true. I still cannot enable tips from from Twitter, but I'll, I'll let it go. The Strike Tips integration, allowing users to receive global tips with their Twitter account, will begin to roll out on iOS today and expand to all users, including Android, over the coming weeks. Uh, Today, we take a giant leap forward in growing global interoperability with the world's first open monetary network, Bitcoin. Today, we continue our march towards migrating the world onto the singular monetary standard, which is Bitcoin. Today, we launch the Strike API making existing payments everywhere in the world cheaper and faster, unlocking a whole new set of payment use cases never seen before. Okay, so yes, he announced the Strike API, and we all know that he announced the Strike API, but it's worth noting that because their Strike API is basically just released, um, Twitter being the first to integrate the API, the API is important in and of itself simply because Twitter ain't going to be the only one to integrate the API. You're going to see this shit all over the place. The Strike API is going to be everywhere. Yes, I get it. People are mad at Jack Mallers because he's completely dealing in the fiat world. But he's not. He's like what I was talking about earlier. He's got one foot in Bitcoin. He's got one foot in fiat. And I almost guarantee, well, okay, fuck it. I guarantee you that, that Jack is not about the fiat part. He understands that the only way to get fiat to, and, or to grab a shit ton of fiat and funnel it into a black hole that is Bitcoin is to do what he's doing, is to use Bitcoin as the rails and fiat as the, as the vehicle that rides upon those rails, right? It's honestly, it's simple. And it's going to end up converting more fiat to Bitcoin than you might imagine. There's going to be a lot of people who are like, well, you know, I'll take 80% of it, of that in fiat and convert the other 20%. And there'll be other people who say, fuck it, I want 100% Bitcoin. And there will be a few people that say they just stick with fiat until one day they can't. But the important thing to note here is, is that this is a released API. It, you can you can use it. You can go get it. You can like integrate it into your own projects. It just it doesn't have to be Twitter. It just happened to be Twitter that was the first to actually integrate the API, which is a great marketing piece, honestly. <clears throat> I mean, they knew that they were good, that uh, Twitter was going to be first. You know, Jack and Jack got together and say, "Hey, man." When we, when we roll this out, let's make sure that it's Twitter first and then we'll roll it out and then everybody else will see what, what it can do and we are off to the races. So that's sort of what's going on there. Now, <clears throat> a tweet from A. Pompliano, that's Anthony Pompliano, who says, I just sent David Marcus $1 over Twitter without having to ask him for a single piece of information. Welcome to the future. Again, using Strike API that's been integrated into Twitter, Anthony Pompliano sends this cat, David Marcus, $1. Who cares? Until you figure out that David Marcus is, in fact, the fintech guy for Facebook. He's the one that is doing all the fintech stuff at Facebook, and a whole bunch of people started sending him $1 over Twitter. And, you know, basically to kind of flood them and say, to say, we don't need your Facebook bullshit. We're, we're fine over here. We're, <clears throat> we're sending you a dollar and we don't need a single scrap of information from David Marcus to send him a buck, which yes, will be trolled because guess what? 
there's going to be a log of who sent who what on Twitter. It's just going to happen. I if I mean, well, it's actually already happening, but you're just going to have to get used to the fact that that's what is happening. There is a log. So now you've got a situation where when, you know, Nancy Pelosi's Twitter account gets unlocked and if she enables tips, you're going to have every like hardcore far right, you know, boys club bullshit sending her a dollar and say it's a market as a campaign contribution. <laughs> and she's going to have to log all that shit. <laughs> Talk about a troll, man. You're trolling people with money. Now, uh, we'll get into the Proud Boys bullshit later. Uh, let's, we have other fish to fry right now, though. Uh, Thomas M. is writing this one for BTC Times. <clears throat> El Salvador volcano mining takes shape. A pioneering nation state in all things Bitcoin, El Salvador is making moves to get into Bitcoin mining using geothermal energy from one of its 11, count them 11 volcanoes. An idea born on Twitter spaces sessions on the day El Salvador parliament passed the Le Bitcoin, Naib Bukele has moved forward with the concept of a volcano powered Bitcoin mine and shared a teaser video on Tuesday showing the work being done on the project. <clears throat> and they've got his tweet here for first steps that it contained this very professionally produced, very good looking short clip. I think it's about, I don't know, it seems like it's about 30 seconds long. It's not long at all showing a geothermal plant and then basically showing an 18 wheeler carting in a, a Bitcoin mining container and showing a technician, you know, doing wiring and stuff like that. It's a little overproduced, but... <clears throat> If that rig was really dropped off, it really is in El Salvador, and it really was dropped off at that particular geothermal plant, then Naib Bukele looks like he's <clears throat> really mining Bitcoin. Let's continue on. The cinematic video shows drone footage of an industrial facility in the Central American nation, as well as clips of Bitcoin miners being delivered and set up. The move may prove timely in light of the recent resurgence of narratives surrounding Bitcoin's energy use. The network has repeatedly come under criticism based on the use of coal-fired power plants, particularly in China, to operate some Bitcoin miners. Although no data on the exact distribution of energy sources is available, allegations of Bitcoin's negative environmental impact have been sticking around, even as a mass exodus from China saw many miners choose hydropower as their energy source of choice abroad. While the actual method of operation and energy mix is not known, El Salvador's miners could be at least partially powered by the geothermal energy emitted by one of the country's volcanoes, meaning the miners would run on renewable energy. El Salvador has been making big moves into Bitcoin since the announcement of the Bitcoin law in June. Not only is Bitcoin legal tender status officially in effect since earlier this month, but the Salvadoran government has also acquired its first own Bitcoin. <clears throat> it currently holds 700 Bitcoin, priced at around $29.7 million at the time of writing. Yeah, Naibs uh, has lost a little bit of money with the price action lately, but if he learns how to be one of us, <clears throat> well, um, he'll, he'll just hobble through. Now, here's the thing about Naib Bukele. We have to be really careful with this guy. His Twitter game is top-notch. Now, whether it is that he's doing that himself or he's hired a firm to handle his Twitter account, I don't know. If it is him himself, the dude's got chops, man. He's got chops. Because all he says here in, this, in, in this, this tweet that shows the video of the geothermal plant and the uh, Bitcoin miners being delivered, all he says is first steps and then a volcano emoji and then hashtag Bitcoin and then the El Salvadoran flag. That, that's it. And it has, I don't know, let's see, uh, 42,000 likes, 2,200 2, replies to it. And it was, you know, basically at 3.30 p.m. yesterday. Yesterday. I mean, the guy, he really does know what he's doing. And that's a problem because propagandists and, you know, would-be dictators they know how to get into the psyche and the minds of the majority of the people. All right. We've seen it time and time again. Naib Bukele has shown himself to have leanings of somebody who very well acts like, or is becoming a dictator and you just can't let him get away with it. Guys, you got to push back. 
All right, everybody has to push back on this guy. Again, I question whether or not he truly is a dictator or he's one of these people that maybe he has one foot in ethics and the other foot in his reality of politics and is just playing both sides of the fence. I don't know, but it's a very dangerous situation for the people in El Salvador if this dude gets out of control. So it's kind of up to the world's population to at least push back on his ass when we see him do anything that even remotely resembles dictatorship. Okay. Although I do have to applaud his ass for, uh, for this video. Sorry. I just, I just do. It's, it puts me in a very awkward position as to, Oh God, I don't want to like this guy because of some of the shit that he's pulled, but Dude, he's a Bitcoiner. I don't know, man. I I don't know. But I'll guarantee you at one point or another, he's going to be used against us. We already see the witch hunt starting. It's been kind of cranked up, but now it's getting bad. I got Gegslamer2 at G-E-G-E-L-S-M-R with the number two on Twitter, who's got three pictures. He says, get ready, the Bitcoin witch hunt is yet to come. First image that he's included is a screen grab of the Associated Press's Twitter account. A dozen far-right entities took in Bitcoin worth more than $9 million in just over four years, Associated Press has found. That money is all but out of reach to banks, courts, and regulators. Second picture, Fortune magazine. Quote, currency of the alt-right. How white supremacists and the far right use Bitcoin to evade the law and get rich. That's from Fortune magazine. Oh, and by the way, Shaquille O'Neal retweeted that. Oh, no, sorry. Not Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille Oatmeal. I love that guy. Anyway, Bloomberg Crypto has this one. Richard Spencer, an American white supremacist, has dubbed Bitcoin the currency of the alt-right. Here's why via the AP, which is back to the Associated Press in the first place. It's coming, all right? The witch hunt isn't quite here yet, as Gegslamer says, but it is on its way. So let's peel back the layers of this onion with Scott Cipollino a little bit out of decrypt. Far-right activists raise millions in Bitcoin and Monero, says the AP. Far-right activists are raising millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrency, according to the Associated Press. One of the chief beneficiaries of cryptocurrency donations is Andrew Anglin, founder of the neo-Nazi website, The Daily Stormer. Quote, the Daily Stormer website advocates for the purity of the white race, posts hate-filled conspiratorial screeds against blacks, Jews, and women, and has helped inspire at least three racially motivated murders. It has also made its founder, Andrew Anglin, a millionaire, the AP said. Per the AP, Anglin has received at least 112 Bitcoin since January 2017. By today's prices, that is worth approximately $4.8 million. The AP investigation does suggest, however, that he's likely raised even more. Despite his vast sums of Bitcoin, Anglin remains a ghost. According to voting records, Anglin was in Russia in 2016 and his passport reportedly shows him in Cambodia in 2017. Since then, however, the public trail goes cold, adding that he has no obvious bank accounts of real estate holdings in the United States. I think they meant or real estate holdings in the U.S. As a result, it has become increasingly difficult to stamp out Anglin's presence from digital and political life. Quote, we were able to sue the Ku Klux Klan, a terrorist organization in, ex- in essence out of existence, said Beth Littrell, a lawyer from, guess who, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which assists one of Anglin's victims. She reportedly said that doing the same today is much harder. Anglin was stacking Bitcoin during the Charlottesville riots in August of 2017, one of the United States' most infamous days in recent history. Per the AP, Anglin received 14.88 Bitcoin one week after the events in Charlottesville, an amount worth approximately 60 grand at the time. To date, this has been Anglin's biggest donation, especially after being cut off by credit card processors and banned by PayPal, hence his reliance on Bitcoin. 
Anglin's love affair with Bitcoin continued well after Charlottesville. In 2020, he published a guide called The Retard's Guide to Using Bitcoin, in which he claimed to have funded the Daily Stormer for four years using only Bitcoin. Quote, when you are caught having the wrong opinion, they will take it upon themselves to shut you out of the system, making your life very difficult. One alternative to this system is cryptocurrency, reportedly said a Telegram user in a white nationalist cryptocurrency guide. Anglin, the AP continues, is just one of a wider web of far-right activists that are tapping into crypto fundraising. The AP cites chain analysis data that sampled 12 far-right entities in the United States and Europe that requested Bitcoin donations. These groups reportedly received 213 Bitcoin, over $9 million by today's prices, between January 2017 and April 2021, earlier this year. A chain analysis report found that the Capitol Hill riots of January 6th may have also been partly financed by Bitcoin. One month before the riots, a donor sent $522,000 worth of Bitcoin to 22 separate addresses controlled by far-right activists and internet personalities. The donor, now deceased, said he cared about what happened after his death, which was why he left his wealth to, quote, certain causes and people, end quote. In February of 2021, Anglin reportedly abandoned Bitcoin, instructing followers to use the privacy-centric cryptocurrency Monero for future donations instead. Quote, every Bitcoin transfer is visible publicly. Generally, your name is not attached to the address in a direct way, but spies from the various woke anti-freedom organizations have unlimited resources to try and link these transactions to real names, Anglin said, adding that with Monero, all transactions are hidden. Anglin is not the only far-right activist pivoting to Monero. Jazz Searby, who previously headed an Australian branch of the Proud Boys extremist organization, is reportedly seeking Monero and only Monero in order to spread our message to a generation of young Aryan men. Oh, God. The Nordic Resistance Movement, another far-right organization, is yet another player in the crypto game, even reportedly letting supporters mine Monero directly on the group's behalf. Quote, do you really think how we operate our economy is any of your business? Maxim Saxlin, editor of the NRM's Nordfront magazine, reportedly asked AP in an email. Monero has already been embroiled in other criminal investigations, too. In Norway, law enforcement has tried to crack the privacy coin in the hopes of aiding the hunt for Anne Elizabeth Hagen, who disappeared in October 2018. According to the AP, the world's financial regulators are starting to wise up to the risks posed by cryptocurrencies, specifically the challenges posed by unhosted wallets. With that said, the road ahead is a long one. Quote, the problem with an unhosted wallet is what's your pain point? The only thing we have is civil contempt of criminal conviction. If someone is willing to sit in jail and the money is theirs on the other side because no one can access it, that's a problem, reportedly said Amanda Wick, a previous senior policy advisor for the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, before joining Chainalysis as chief of legal affairs. My God, it just... Uh, so that's the end of the article. All right, now there should have been enough in there for you guys to understand what's coming. It will soon spill over out of the alt-right and they'll do it one of two ways. They'll either just label any idiot an alt-right or they'll be a little bit more sophisticated and start saying, well, it's not just the alt-right, it's these groups too. And then at one point or another, they're going to say the word, the sovereign individual. And when they do that and it will happen, watch out. So how, what's the pushback on this? I don't know. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, the lit, you know, one of the things that I've found out over the years is that if you just let shit you cannot control go and stop worrying the fuck about it, chances are good it dies on its own. I remember like, you know, worrying about altcoins. Should I be worrying about altcoins now? No. You know, 80% of them died. I can't even remember half. I can't, re no, half. That's that's being generous. I can't remember 99% of the names of the coins that came out between 2016 and 2018. Most of them are dead. They're either dead by their own hand. 
they got totally abandoned or it was a complete rug pull or some such. So how the media decides to, to spin this, considering that they really can't do anything about it, is going to be interesting to watch. But I suspect that if we just make sure that we do nothing but watch, <clears throat> it will die on its own. However, let's help it. Let's help it die. Let's help it get cozy six feet under as fast as possible and push back and call out the bullshit and the lies wherever it is that you see it, whenever it is that you see it. China, China, China power sh shutdowns are the worst that I have ever seen. A rumor is due to cost of coal. Most factories are doing rolling shutdowns where you work two days on and five days you get off, says Dan Collins. 2011 in a tweet that's at Dan Collins 2011 and he's got a map of China here in this tweet more than half of China's mainland provinces are limiting electricity usage woo okay so we're, we've got more China stuff in the news later but we've got other fish to fry but I will need I do need to say this first um Maybe the whole Bitcoin crackdown was on mining was literally because they knew they just knew that they did not that they did not have the energy infrastructure to support both the people of China and Bitcoin mining at the same time. And now that they've gotten rid of almost all of the mining uh, that I can tell, um, I'm looking at this map and it's the power outages are pretty damn widespread. I mean, it's like. I'm going to say at least 50% of China are having problems keeping the lights on. This does, this does not look good going into the winter, people. You've got Europe that is on the freaking brink. We'll get to gas and oil prices here in a second. You got Europe on the brink. You've got Putin who controls the natural gas lines or at least a majority of the or a majority of the ability to direct where the gas goes to whether it goes to Europe or whether it gets cut off. And if it gets cut off, Europe is screwed for the winter. If this shit happens in China during this winter at the same time, then Putin on his Western side and on his Southern side have a mass of people that are gonna be in dire straits. So I don't know what, if that's gonna mean anything for Russia in the macro political you know, era, but if he starts fucking with Europe's gas supply, and he's done it before, and the winter's bad, oh boy, oh boy, you better be, if you're in the United States or Canada or Central or set, you know anywhere in Latin America, you better be happy that we're separated by not one, but two full oceans. Jack Dorsey Square joins the largest Bitcoin investments in Africa. This is, in fact, Bitcoin Magazine written by Namcio's <clears throat> Yellow Card, a pan-African Bitcoin exchange, announced yesterday that it had raised $15 million in a Series A funding round led by Valor Ventures, Third Prime, and Castle Island Ventures, reported Forbes. Jack Dorsey's Square, Coinbase Ventures, and Blockchain.com Ventures also participated in the round helping fund the exchange's operations in 12 countries across the African continent. Third Prime got a seat on the company's board. Quote, many African countries adopted mobile phones without ever distributing landlines at scale, and many African countries adopted mobile payments without ever distributing credit or debit cards at scale, said James Fitzgerald, a founding partner at Valor Ventures, per the report. Quote, we see a similar opportunity for crypto, it can enable Africans to leapfrog an entire generation of financial services technology, end quote. Yellowcard started its operations in Africa after its co-founder, Chris Maurice, met a Nigerian man sending $200 to his mother at a Wells Fargo in Auburn, Alabama. The money transmitting service charged a $90 fee to send the $200 to the man's family in Nigeria, according to the report. Maurice became interested in the country and its monetary system, ultimately meeting Yellowcard's future chief Bitcoin officer, Munachi Ugike. The company went live in Nigeria in June of 2019. Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter and Square, visited African countries in 2019 to learn more about the region's technological advancements. Upon leaving, he tweeted, quote, 
Sad to be leaving the continent for now. Africa will define the future, especially the Bitcoin one, end quote. Dorsey has been a Bitcoin supporter for years and launched a Bitcoin tipping integration on Twitter on September the 23rd. The yellow card funding, the largest by a B2C cryptocurrency exchange in Africa, is another step Dorsey took to propel Bitcoin adoption forward. Quote, yellow card is a very diverse product. In different countries, we have slightly different modus operandi, Aguki said. But at the end of the day, the focus is still the same. We are bringing access to people that don't have access to crypto and financial systems, end quote. The company told Forbes that, quote, ultimate goal or their ultimate goal is to become a crypto service that allows Africans to send remittances, make payments, and protect the value of their wealth against the incessant currency devaluation of many African countries, end quote. Although many platforms already plug into these use cases, Yellowcard seeks to differentiate itself by providing products and services that don't require an understanding of Bitcoin from users. Quote, the big picture is to change the way that money moves around the continent using crypto, and we want to make it easier for people to be able to just jump from their local economy into the economy of the Internet and vice versa, Maurice said. According to the report, Yellow Card said they intend to use the $15 million received in the funding round to grow their team, launch new products, and expand operations to more African countries. That's the end of the article, but it's certainly not the end of how Africa plays into this entire ecosystem. Again, I will reiterate, I do not care about the West as far as its adoption of Bitcoin. Why? We have too much functional financial legacy instrumentations going on, and they work even though they suck, right? And I mean, they don't suck insofar as if you have access, things are actually pretty sweet. ATMs give you cash. You can do wire transfers. You can like do all kinds of neat shit. If you don't have those, then life pretty much sucks. And we're seeing more and more people get cut off from these services, depending on your opinion on COVID, climate change, whatnot. So the other thing here is, is that Africa, Central America, Latin America, way Eastern Europe, and the whole hodgepodge of the Balkans, the Baltics, the hodgepodge of things that I've been talking about, these are the guys. These are the guys that are going to write the future because they are going to skip central banking, or at least for the most part, they're going to skip central banking like they skip the landlines. And God help us all if we're not in a good position to make friends with the people of Latin America, the people of Africa, Eastern Europeans, Balkans, Baltics, all those guys. Keep your eyes on the prize because it's not the West anymore. The West is dying. I, I, I live in the West. I'm part of the West. The only thing that I can hope for is that the, the uh, Southwest United States, like from Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Oklahoma, that at least those somehow or another end up, I don't know, balkanizing themselves out of the United States and become an actual country so that I can go to Durango, Colorado and enjoy my time there without being a freaking slave in some kind of weird gulag. Hey, let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids are down today. Uh, 0.65% to the downside for West Texas Intermediate, but it's still $74.80 a barrel. Brent North Sea at $78.55 a barrel is also down, likewise, 0.68% to the downside. Natural gas down a full 1.8%, but it's still $5.76 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline has fallen also by one-third of a point to $2.19 a gallon. Now, we're going into winter, and you've got extraordinarily high natural gas prices, which by the way, is a, a large part of the way people around the world that have access to it anyway, and we're talking about the West, heat their homes. There's essentially, there's three major methods of heating. There, in, in the Northeast in the United States, there's heating oil. They literally roll a truck up to your house and they dump a shitload of heating oil into essentially what's a gasoline tank in your basement and your furnace burns that for heat. 
a lot of us, however, in the Midwest, uh, over to the foothills of the Rockies, and I think a lot of California is powered by natural gas, which is just pressured gas in a pipeline that's buried and you connect your house to it. And it's just sort of an always on situation. And we use that. And then there's electric heat where you're just basically converting electricity into, you know, pouring it into heating elements they heat up. But the Europe uses a lot of natural gas for heating. And again, this goes back to the fact that we're coming into winter. They're already not having a good time with their, you know, with their uh, solar and wind energy initiatives because it's not generating enough power and they're starting to have to burn oil and they're having to burn natural gas. And it's just, it could get really messy. And in the next few months, I would keep my eyes very focused on what's going on in Western Europe and Central Europe, uh, honestly. So now gold, gold is actually up a third of a point, $1,743.90. Silver down a full point, platinum is up a half, copper is down a half, and palladium is up almost two full points. Coffee is up, oh no, not coffee, cotton in ag futures is up two and a half points, but everything else is kind of meh. Well, except for wheat, which is up 0.85%. Dow futures is up a half percent. S&P futures also up a half a percent. NASDAQ futures is up 0.66 of a percent. And the S&P mini, mini is up a half a point. Real money has a price of $42,419.35 with 258,000 transactions taking place in the last 24 hours, that's about 11,000 transactions on average per hour, with 1.24 million BTC being sent in the last 24 hours, that's about 51,800 BTC sent every hour on the hour, with 4.81 BTC as the average transaction value and the median transaction value being 0.015 BTC, or 624 bucks. Block times are low, not that bad, 9 minutes, 40 seconds, 0.09 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 13.5 BTC taken overall in the last 24 hours. Hash rate is flat at 144.44 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator being Doge is sitting at 0.202 US dollars. That's just a little bit over 20 United States pennies, which haven't been made out of copper since the 80s. Clark Moody dashboard is showing 2,300 transactions waiting on one block to clear. We have $796.9 billion of market capitalization, a hair under 7% of Bit or uh, Bitcoin gold's total market cap. You can get 24.1 ounces of gold if you want, <clears throat> but I would save your one Bitcoin and not do that. There are, in fact, 18,829,429.0 BTC in circulation at this time, and 2,947 of those are locked up in the Lightning Network worth $124.8 million, run over 15,661 nodes, at garnering 72,848 channels that we know about. The percentage of the network, the Lightning Network that is being run over Tor is 73.5%. So 2,166 BTC are being run over the Tor Network uh, with 10,254 Tor nodes powering that. And that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Bitcoin Magazine's Alex McShane has the following. Trigger warning. Bad Bitcoin company involved in this news story. Again, trigger warning. There is a bad Bitcoin company involved in this story. However, it's still important. U.S. Verifone merchants to accept Bitcoin as payment. This was announced sometime yesterday. On Tuesday, payments solution giant Verifone announced it will enable consumer Bitcoin payments on in-store and e-commerce cloud service support platforms in the United States. The new Bitcoin payment solution emerged out of Verifone's partnership with, here it comes, BitPay, the world's largest provider of Bitcoin payment services. 
The new features will roll out to U.S. Verifone merchants later this year. The company has over 600,000 merchants worldwide and handles over $10.4 billion online and in-store transactions annually. <clears throat> That's a lot of money, man. Notably, merchants who use the new service will be able to accept Bitcoin without having an account with BitPay. Customers will be able to pay with their preferred payment wallets to make purchases. It is still unclear whether BitPay will enable Lightning Wallet transactions or why only certain Bitcoin wallets are approved for transactions. Oh, God. Quote, the solution supports major wallets like blockchain.com, BRD, MetaMask, BitPay, and more, Verifone said in a press release. BitPay's Verifone payment solution will enable customers to use those wallets to pay with many alternative cryptocurrencies as well. Quote, Verifone's merchant base includes many of the world's largest and most well-known brands looking to tap into the growing crypto market, said Stephen Pear, CEO of BitPay. Quote, this partnership allows these businesses to easily and securely accept crypto payments and benefit from pent-up consumer demand to spend their crypto, end quote. The CEO of Verifone, Mike Pooley, spoke to the new partnership and his company's strategic investment in BitPay. Quote, this partnership, solution, and investment highlight Verifone's commitment to enabling revolutionary and meaningful payment experiences for merchants, end quote. Pooley concluded, our advanced payment method platform is robust, and this crypto solution with BitPay adds tremendous value for Verifone and our customers, end quote. The news comes at a time when whole nations are beginning to turn to the Bitcoin Lightning Network for payments, subverting BitPay's traditional model. The Lightning Network has propelled Bitcoin adoption and usage in El Salvador. The nation's embrace of Bitcoin has driven the total Lightning Network capacity up 1,000 Bitcoin to nearly 3,000 Bitcoin this month alone. So yes, I know, I get it. Stephen Pear and his bullshit company BitPay are involved in this, but what does it show? I'm not even going to answer that for you because if you don't know, you probably shouldn't be listening to the show, okay? It doesn't matter where this comes from right now. Everything is good for Bitcoin, and that's all I really care about. But uh, CFTC hits Kraken with $1.25 million in fines over alleged illegal offering. They're coming for the on-ramps, people, and this is why I'm glad that I just don't really ever use exchanges except in times of needing to liquefy my, my doge. The United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission is ordering crypto exchange Kraken to pay more than $1 million in civil monetary penalties related to allegations the exchange is violating the Commodity Exchange Act. By the way, this is Cointelegraph. It is written by Turner Wright. In a Tuesday statement, the CFTC said U.S.-based crypto exchange Kraken, operating under the name Payword Ventures, has failed to register as a futures commission merchant and is illegally offering margined retail commodity transactions and digital assets. The order requires the exchange to pay a penalty of $1.25 million and cease and desist from further violations of the Commodity Exchanges Act, the law under which the CFTC derives much of its enforcement power. Quote, this action is part of the CFTC's broader effort to protect U.S. customers, said Vincent Mon McGonigal. Oh, Professor McGonigal. Nice. Acting Director of Enforcement at the CFTC. Quote, margined, leveraged, or financed digital asset trading offered to retail U.S. customers must occur on properly registered and regulated exchanges in accordance with all applicable laws and regulations. The CFTC case alleges that Kraken offered margined retail commodity transactions and digital assets to ineligible U.S. customers from June 2020 to July 2021. Kraken has since changed its policy on margin trading, but until June 2021, customers needed to close or settle their position, positions within 28 days. According to the CFTC, these actions represented the company operating illegally as the transactions did not occur on a designated contract market. Quote, if repayment was not made within 28 days, Kraken could unilaterally force the margin position to be liquidated. Kraken could also initiate a forced liquidation if the value of the collateral dipped below a certain threshold percentage of the total outstanding margin. As a result, actual delivery of the purchased assets failed to occur, in quote, alleges the CFTC. 
the enforcement action is seemingly small compared to the size of a major crypto exchange like Kraken. Some estimates put the company at a $10 billion valuation with a monetary penalty representing just 0.0125% of that value. In contrast, the CFTC and Financial Crimes Enforcement Network fined crypto derivatives exchange BitMEX $100 million in August. Dan Berkowitz, the current commissioner of the CFTC and soon-to-be Securities and Exchange Commission General Counsel, has previously described the former's enforcement actions in the crypto space as aggressive, but also said the agency was not necessarily looking for more authority without more resources. Berkowitz will be leaving the CFTC in October while President Biden has tapped Kristen Johnson and Christy Goldsmith Romero to fill two of the empty commissioner seats at the agency. So yeah, Jesse Powell's in trouble now. They came after Arthur Hayes. They came after every, they're coming after CZ. They're going to come after Kraken. They're going to come after all these people. The United States, I've said it before, but just to reiterate, the United States has not only weaponized the United States dollar against the rest of the world, because if you use it and you use it improperly, however us in the U.S. decide to define that, you are hosed. And since you most likely are within flight range of a flight deck of an aircraft carrier, you are double hosed. Second, the United States citizenry has been weaponized financially against the rest of the world. And if you do business with us, since your country is most likely within striking distance of a fighter jet off of the deck of an aircraft carrier, which can be anywhere in the world within weeks, you are hosed and double hosed. What shall we do? Honestly, I don't know. I, I wish I had a, an answer for you, but this is why I don't give a shit. This is one of the reasons why I don't give a shit about the West. All the citizenry of the West has become way too weaponized against each other, against the rest of the world, which is why my bet is on the rest of the world. Latin America, African continent, Eastern Europe, Baltics, Balkans, shit like that. That's where I'm keeping my focus. Now, Chinese crypto investors are blocked from CoinGecko and TradingView, says Andrew Azmakov from Decrypt.co. In a further crackdown on the crypto industry in China, CoinGecko and CoinMarketCap, two popular cryptocurrency market data platforms, are now inaccessible for users in the world's most populated country. TradingView, a website offering interactive charts for financial markets, also cannot be accessed in China. Contrary to claims that CoinGecko and CoinMarketCap moved to block IP addresses from China, both websites appear to be blocked by China's infamous Great Firewall, the DNS-based cordon the country's government is building in an attempt to censor selected foreign websites, including Google, Twitter, and Facebook. Quote, we did not block any Chinese IPs, Bobby Ong, co-founder and COO at CoinGecko, told Decrypt. According to test runs on greatfire.org, both CoinGecko and CoinMarketCap are currently 100% blocked. The same applies to TradingView, another popular tool among crypto traders. It appears that China is ramping up its crackdown on the crypto industry, and this time around, CoinGecko has been placed on the censor list simply for providing crypto market information, said Ong. Decrypt has also reached out for comments from both CoinMarketCap and TradingView and will update the article accordingly. China's attempts to limit exposure to the crypto market data follow the government's notice last week that uh, virtual currencies are not legal tender and that any crypto-related activities as well as cryptocurrency trading are against the law. Last Friday, the People's Bank of China released a list of prohibited crypto-related activities, including trading and token issuance, while also barring overseas exchanges from providing services to investors in mainland China. Major crypto exchanges like Binance and Huobi Global were quick to react to the news as they both halted new registrations for Chinese customers. China's intensified pressure on crypto also delivered another blow to the mining industry, which already suffered quite a battering earlier this year. 
Hangzhou-based Spark Pool until recently, one of the world's largest Ethereum mining pools, announced on Monday that as of September 30th, in an effort to be maximally compliant with regulatory requirements, it will discontinue both domestic and international services. Meanwhile, Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba caved in as well, announcing that starting from October 8th, it'll stop selling specialized mining equipment on its platform. So there you go. And we've got more China bullshit coming up right now. But th here's the thing. They're not, these three companies, I, I, they are not on ramps. I, I, can't, I can't buy Bitcoin from CoinGecko. I can't buy Bitcoin from CoinMarketCap. And I can't buy Bitcoin from TradingView. I can see prices. I can see other data. These are just data. These are just, well, yeah, these are just data websites. And you can't even see those. I'm, dude, if you're in China and you're listening to me and you have any way to get out, sell everything you have, store it in Bitcoin, have, I don't know, have somebody who knows how to knit, knit the, like the binary version of the, of the passphrase into a scarf that can be decoded on the other side and recover your damn wallet, get out. I am begging you, get out of China if you can. The window is closing fast. It's closing very, very fast. They are going to start limiting capital flight. If you literally have nothing to your name, you may be able to get out. I, I, I don't know, but the shit's getting really scary over there. So um, let's see, what's this one? Oh yes. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to read all of this, but let's just get into the first part. Ahead of crackdown, Huobi scrambled to move staff out of China, insiders say. This is Coindesk, uh, written by Eliza, G G G sorry, Kritsky, Krit no, sorry, Eliza Kritsky. Months before China's latest crackdown, the Huobi Global Cryptocurrency Exchange relocated substantial parts of its operations out of the country, primarily to crypto-friendly Singapore, former and current employees told Coindesk. Huobi had been trying to develop overseas operations since China's earlier clampdown on crypto exchanges in September of 2017. The following month, the company set up a separate legal entity in Singapore, but senior management and a portion of its staff continued to operate in China until May of this year. Since then, Considerable parts of operations such as business development and marketing began moving overseas while the less controversial technical teams remained in China, the current and former employees said. That way, it would look like Huobi's company in China was just a tech provider for a crypto exchange that was headquartered and operated abroad, potentially shielding the company from another crackdown, one of the sources said. On Friday, the People's Bank of China announced the latest restrictions, which appear to jeopardize even the tech staff Huobi left in place. Quote, for domestic staff of relevant overseas virtual currency exchanges, as well as legal persons, unincorporated organizations, and natural persons who know or should know that they are engaged in virtual currency-related businesses and still provide them with services such as marketing promotion, payment and settlement, technical support, etc., they shall be investigated in accordance with the law, end quote. The sources, four ex-staffers and one who still works there, did not want to be identified. Jesus can't imagine why. Citing confidentiality agreements, the former employees said that they have been keeping up to date with the company by take, talking to current staff. They all said that Huobi, one of the world's largest crypto exchanges by trading volume, was trying to hedge its bets over the last few months in case Chinese authorities decided to take action against the company. They said it was hard to tell whether the staff move was temporary or permanent. Dudes, if it's not permanent, it needs to be because you guys are going to have your asses handed to you. There, I mean, if you if if you know China what all of a sudden says you know, we were just kidding, come back, come back to China, don't because they've been doing this for the last 10 years. They've been banning and then, oh, well, you know, we're not gonna really ban it. And then they ban it again, oh, well, we're not. Do you really want to operate in that kind of environment? Because if you do, 
you're going to get hosed. This is no place for man nor beast. Get your shit sold. Get it converted to Bitcoin. Hop the fuck over the border however it is you can and run to some place that doesn't hate freedom. Freedom is under fire everywhere in the world, but there are pockets where freedom is not as hated as much as it is in China, Europe, the United States, Australia, and Canada. The United States so far is out of that group is the least likely to ban freedom, but Australia, Canada, I'm afraid, I'm afraid we've lost our friends over there. So even Bitmain is moving out of China. Leading crypto mining machine maker Bitmain said to halt sales in China. Uh, let's see, Coindesk, and it is written by David Pan. Bitmain, one of the world's largest manufacturers of Bitcoin mining machines, is planning to suspend sales of its machines to miners in mainland China following the latest Chinese government ban on crypto activity, according to three sources who spoke to Bitmain about the move. Two sources are responsible for buying machines at major mining pools, while the third source has worked extensively with Chinese miners. They all asked to remain anonymous because they were not authorized to discuss the move publicly. The privately owned Bitmain will also move the majority of its production out of Shenzhen in southern China and into other countries to comply with the latest mandates on crypto issued by the country's central bank last week, all three sources said. Bitmain did not respond to multiple requests for comment before press time. Who'd have guessed? Even Bitmain. But you would have thought, I mean, considering that Jihan Wu is a rat, he still has something to do with Bitmain. I'm not exactly sure to what capacity, but you would think the rats would leave the sinking ship first. Not in this case. They're one of the last ones to make a move. I... I'm just continuously surprised at just how long it's taken these people to figure this out. But this is not going to end this time. I do not believe China is going to renege and say, you know what, come on back to China. I just, I don't get that feeling this time. I think this is for keeps. I think this is for good. And I think they just cut themselves off from the future. And that's a damn shame. If you can get out of China, get out of China. First cryptocurrency fund has been approved in Switzerland, says Helen Parts from Cointelegraph. Cryptocurrency adoption continues gaining momentum in Switzerland as local financial authorities grant more regulatory approvals for crypto investment instruments. The Swiss Financial Market Supervisory Authority has approved the crypto market index fund as the first crypto fund according to Swiss law, the authority officially announced September the 29th. The fund is launched by Swiss asset manager Crypto Finance and is administered by investment management firm PVB Pernet von Balmus AG with custody regulated by custodian Siba Bank AG. FINMA noted that the newly approved fund is restricted to qualified investors investing primarily in cryptocurrencies or digital assets based on the blockchain or distributed ledger technology, end quote. The regulator said that the crypto market index fund may only invest in leading cryptocurrencies with a sufficiently large trading volume. According to a crypto finance, the fund will track the performance of the crypto market index 10, a product administered by the six SIX Swiss exchange. Quote, the objective of the crypto market index 10 is to reliably measure the performance of the largest liquid crypto assets and tokens and to provide an investable benchmark for this asset class, crypto finance noted. FINMA added that it would require investors to invest only through established counterparties that are based in a member country of the Financial Action Task Force and are subject to corresponding anti-money laundering regulations. In conjunction with the fund approval, FINMA has also approved SIBA Bank AG as an institutional-grade custodian service by granting the firm a CISA license, CISA. Previously, the authority officially allowed SIX, or six Swiss exchange, to launch a digital marketplace in a central securities depository built on distributed ledger technology in early September. So there you go. Swiss, the Swiss people still seem to have some semblance of financial uh, instrumentation. So we'll have to see how that one goes, but we're running out of time. That's going to do it for the morning roundup.
right, it's hump day. Can't let you go without a joke. I took all of my savings, converted it to cash, and put it in a boat. I feel much better now that my money is offshore. Get it? See how that fit? Okay, one more time, if you want to support the show, I do have a Patreon up. It's Bitcoin and podcast. If you want to uh, uh, funnel some of your dirty fiat to me, I will convert as much of it as I can into Bitcoin. Also, if you just if you are comfortable using Lightning Network and things such as podcasting 2.0 technology, such as Breeze Wallet, please use the Breeze Wallet to listen to the show and you can stream me sats while I stream you these dulcet tones on a minute over minute basis. I love watching the sats come in. I guess that's it and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.